worthy. We can never thank him enough, could we? Amen. All is well. There's a story in the Bible of Elisha, Shunammite woman and her son. The woman found favor with God, and he gave her a son. Oh, while working in the field, the
good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. Certainly enjoyed service Sunday. Looking forward to another wonderful service this evening. We'll keep that same key. Oh, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with doors that cannot
even more. I'm so ready to get out of this place. <clears throat> Are you washed in the blood, key of F? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you
draw me near. I am thine, O Lord. I have heard thy voice and it told thy love to thee. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me service if you volunteer for the banquet uh, brother came and be having a meeting here in the sanctuary um, 
Also, the tool party for Brother Kyle, July 30th, between services as well. I don't have any new prayer requests, but we know we have quite a few on the list. The ones that want to be here in camp, the ones who've asked for our prayers. Um, definitely want to continue to remember Sister Kenesha as she's getting closer to the time of delivery. The Lord will continue to protect her and protect the baby and all the different ones. God knows each and every one. It's good to have Brother Wade and Sister Hope back with us. They were out of town for a couple weeks. Brother Wade, if you can come on up, take us to the Lord in prayer this evening. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request? Amen. So happy to have our pastor with us. Amen. It's good to be back. I just want to let you know I had a great time. Just just putting it out there. We had a great time. And I uh, thank you all for your prayers and keeping us in your prayers while we travel. And uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. The Heavenly Father, it's an honor and a privilege, Lord God, to come once more, Lord Jesus, with these wonderful, wonderful saints. Oh, Lord, to fellowship and to worship. Oh, Lord, lifting you up, giving you praise, giving you glory because you're so worthy of them all, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for all that you do and keeping us on your word, oh, Lord, in your path, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, I've traveled for some weeks now, and I've seen the path, Lord God, the world is taken. And it's becoming more and more overwhelming, Lord Jesus. But, Lord Jesus, you're more overwhelming to us, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you do in our lives, oh, Lord, keeping us on the righteous path, Lord God. I thank you so much, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory, Lord God. As the ministry will come out this evening, Lord Jesus, oh, Lord, I want to give him all the support that he could use, oh Lord, that he need, Lord Jesus. I want to be his aiming corner tonight, Lord God. Thanking you, Lord Jesus, for hearing truth. Oh, we love you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. Hide him away now, Lord Jesus. Use his lips of clay, oh Lord God. And we'll be sure to give you glory. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are to us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. so wonderful to come to a place where we know we can hear truth. Amen. Other people think they have truth, and they don't, and it's just sad. But I'm so thankful that we know, that we know, that we know that we have truth here. Amen. Amen. We'll sing through it all, key of F, as we invite our pastor out this evening. Oh, through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. I'm singing. 
Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. He deserves it tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Through it all, he brought us to it to bring us through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley. And it's a learning experience. Jesus learned. The flesh man learned by the things he suffered. You know how you're going to learn? Well, let's turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. <laughs> you know how I learned uh, growing up at home? <laughs> this generation X has no idea how to, how to rightfully learn. Because they haven't suffered near like we did back in the 80s and 70s. <laughs> I definitely learned by the things I suffered. <laughs> That's all right. I don't begrudge one time. Not one time my parents corrected me. Made me the man who I am. And not one time Jesus corrects me. Because that proves his love for us. Is that right? Those I love, I rebuke. And I chasten. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 1. We'll try to get past verse 1. I make no promises, but we will read 2 verse 7, see how far we can get. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. And notice how he differentiates this. We're all called to serve. Okay? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, he said nothing about a calling to serve. When you're born into the kingdom of God, everybody becomes a servant. But as far as being an apostle... You have to be called. You see the difference. There are people today that want to be prayer warriors. You have to be called to that. People want to be a musician. You have to be called to that. People want to be a song leader. You got to be called to that. People want to preach. You got to be called to that. I've had men come into my office tell me they was called to preach, and I told them they wasn't. Oh yeah, that's a fact. My hand up for God, because I seen in their eyes and I seen in their spirit it was the wrong motivation. You have to be called to it. And if you're called to it, you'll run from it. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, comma, now he goes on, now it's not a period, comma, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Tell me he wasn't a man. And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. You can be seated. It's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. On the way to church, uh, my Mustang was thirsty. And uh, had I not stopped and refueled, I would not have made it. Uh -huh. It told me six miles or you're walking. You know, we, we have become so dependent upon technology that it tells us when to put gas in our tank. 
And I have more than one time run mine to where it says zero miles to empty, so somebody's lying. And I still wasn't empty. I was on fumes, thank God, but I made it. So we're here tonight to refuel. We need our refueling. Now when Paul, uh, as I said, I, I, I have a bad habit of preaching in between verses, but I don't mean to do that. That's why I just stopped and went ahead and, and, and read to verse 7, so I could have you to be seated. When Paul uh, gives us a differentiation between servitude, we've done been through that, and then his calling. Now Paul says we're all to be servants, and, and the, uh, the Bible expressly explains that, that Christianity is servitude. It is not living for ourselves. Can you say amen? amen? It is not a selfish nature that God gives us. It is a giving nature. Because God's nature is to give. And God just don't like givers. <laughs> yeah, God likes cheerful ones. And when you write that check, don't leave tear stains on it. A cheerful giver. And so then he goes on to say, but I'm not just a servant as we went through that week's uh, past, but he says I'm called to be an apostle. An apostle is basically one sent or a missionary. This is what Paul did. Paul was not a pastor. Paul was not an evangelist, and Paul was an, a, an apostle. He was a missionary. He went from churches to churches and different uh, uh, of the seven churches that was wrote there in the book of Revelations. He went traveling around as a missionary Sometimes establishing churches and sometimes as the church in Rome, Paul did not establish, but Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And it, it, it still is, is mind-blowing and, 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 and baffles my mind that in the midst of Rome, you have to understand that in this time of Israel, in this, in this it was written, the book of Romans was written in A.D. 57. Mm -hmm. And during this time, uh, uh, Jerusalem or Israel as a whole uh, was being ca held captive by Rome. Rome held them under Nero. Um, they was uh, essentially slavery, in, in slavery again under Nero, which was the emperor of Rome at the time, which essentially took Paul's life. Um, but understand that in the midst of all the persecution, and Jesus told us in this life, you're going to have tribulation, and you'll be per persecuted for my namesake. So get used to it. He, he told us that when that happens to you, you're blessed. So this church in Rome was, was definitely being persecuted because not only of the fact of them being Christians and following Jesus, but of the fact that they was in the capital city of Rome that was holding them hostage, holding them captive in, in slavery uh, that had taken over Jerusalem at this time. But it, it's, it's amazing to me to, to think and to understand that God still had a church in the midst of that. So it lets me know that God can have a church in the midst of Laodicea. No matter what's going on around us, and let me tell you something, friend, things are getting worse, and they're not going to get any better. I realize that the denominations are calling for a world or nationwide revival. It's not going to happen. It's over. The revival for America is done, but it doesn't mean that each individual church cannot have a revival, or the person cannot be in revival. But as a nation, she's done. She's finished. There's no more revival. I don't care how many tents they set up. I don't care how many people claim to be prophets. I don't care how many people men claim to be Joshua's. I don't care what they claim. The revival for America is over. There will be no more revival for America. God will not revive her. She has drawn her last breaths. It's over. Brother Bram said, I won't even pray for her. 
And, and, and if a nation ever needed prayer, but he said, I won't even pray for her. You know why? Because she was beyond redemption. 1956, 50 years after 1906, which was Azusa, Azusa Street Revival. 50 years, Jubilee. Brother Branham comes and preaches return and Jubilee in 1956. 50 years later. Not a coincidence, not a happenstance. It was absolutely the mind of God coming to fruition and manifestation in the hearts and minds of those people Amen, that knew what happened in 1906. Now, I've, I've studied uh, some of what happened in Azusa Street in California in 1906, and it will blow your mind. Restoration of the gifts. A one-eyed man uh, named Brother Seymour put his head in an orange crate and prayed to God for revival. One-eyed color man. And brought revival. And people was coming from hundreds and thousands of miles to see this revival. And as they got off the airplanes and buses, the Holy Ghost was hitting them before they ever got to Azusa Street. Now understand that there, there, there's a reason that it had to be Azusa. And I'm going to tell you why. You, some of you think I'm, a cra I'm crazy, but just, just stay with me a minute. There's probably not a family here that's not in one way or another affected by the company Amazon. Ooh, I hit a nerve. <laughs> Packages, uh, you, you know your driver's first name. You know, it's got, and if you notice uh, on Amazon, it's got an arrow underneath Amazon. And it, and it starts under A. And the arrow ends under Z. That means they got everything you want from A to Z. Oh, some of y'all didn't know that. That's the very reason that arrow is there. Because they have everything. They say they have everything you want. And that's just about the truth. Uh, Walmart has done a decline in business because of Amazon. Because we got lazy. We don't shop. You know, we don't have to get dressed to shop anymore. You can shop in your pajamas. That's why I enjoy getting gift cards. That way I ain't got to go nowhere. And then they just bring it to me. And, and if you pay for Prime, it's free delivery. And if you use as much as we do, you better pay for Prime. So getting back to what I said about Azusa, how do you spell Azusa? A-Z-U-S-A. That means that America is going to start and it's going to finish. In this generation. From the beginning to the end. In USA. We were at the end. We were at the Z. We were at the Omega. We are at the coming of Christ. Can you say amen? amen. We have reached the Omega coming. Amen. The Alpha is over. We are at the Omega. So when the restoration of the gifts fell in 1906. And all that happened. And just if you, if you get a chance and... and do some studying on that. It will absolutely blow your mind that what happened under that revival. Now, we realize it was not that which was perfect. It was just restoration of the gifts. Because when, when Abraham sent Eliezer to get a bride for Isaac, the mother and the brother got gifts. Okay? But they did not get Isaac. They did not come into a personal relationship with Isaac, Christ. They did get gifts. And they rejoiced over the gifts, just like Pentecost did. But then Pentecost went, and they went to seed on the least of the gifts. How in the world? And Paul even said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Well, it's in there if you ain't read it. It's, he said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Then he also went on to say, if one speaks in tongues among you, and there is no interpretation, 
It's I don't understand why the Pentecostals went to seed on this doctrine and, and they just, you know, they say the evidence of the infilling or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is speaking in another language. But you don't have to have an interpreter. So they're making everybody barbarians. Because Paul said without an interpreter, once, if a visitor sitting among you, he will say that you're barbarians. Because understand, my friend, that what happened at the Tower of Babel. They did not understand the language that each other was speaking. So they was, they was, it was cast abroad. To, that's, that's, that's why we have different languages around the world because of the Tower of Babel. Babel is confusion. That's what happened at Pentecost. They got confused. And they got to, to the point where they said, all you got to do is have a stammering lip. You know, just say a few words. They're just trying to get them to say, and they beat you to death at the altar. Some of you have been there and you know what I'm talking about. I've seen it happen. I'm like, these people got to go to the chiropractor. If the preacher didn't snap their neck in half by the earnest angel, he should heal, you know. You know God have mercy. What did I do to you? And then if you happen to kneel down and call people up there, I mean, they just, Lord, fill him. God, empty him. God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and just trying to beat the Holy Ghost in them. And then if they ever started just any kind of a stammering lip, oh, they got it. They're, they're probably crying out in pain and don't know it. <laughs> And they said, oh, they got it. And then they'll go that night and live with another man's woman, another man's wife. And, and nothing is said because they spoke in tongues. And so this is, this, is the, this is where the church, the Pentecostal church got off. And they're still off today because they still believe in that doctrine. And, and it, it's, it's amazing to me how that they could take the least, Paul was very clear, the least of the gifts and make that the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And people today in the message are making it as... As bad or worse by saying all you have to do is love Brother Brennan. And they're making that the evidence of the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is love Brother Brennan because of what the angel told him when he went beyond the curtain of time. All that you love and ever loved you will be there. So they take that and they pervert that and they uh, translate it wrong. You have to understand if you, if you read division, I went through this before but some of you hadn't heard it. But if you read division carefully or listen to it, listen to it very carefully, read it very carefully. Brother Branham uh, was visiting on the other side his horse, Prince, and his dog, Fritz. At the time this was told him. Not his wife, not his daughter, not those that said our precious brother. It was his horse and his dog. If you're a horse and you're a dog and you love Brother Branham, you got a chance to make it. Other than that, Loving him is not enough. Amen. There was a man in Brother Branham's day that wanted to be just like Brother Branham and actually ended up preaching Brother Branham's funeral. T.L. Osborne. He came to Brother Branham and asked Brother Branham, what do I need to do to get your gift? He said, how many days do I need to fast? How many days do I need to pray? What do I need to do? He said, T.L. Osborne, he said, this is... Is not given to you by anything that you could you, you can do like that. No works that you could do. He said you have to be called to this. And T.L. Osborne went on to be an impersonator of Brother Branham. If you know anything about the ministry of T.L. Osborne, and not only T.L. Osborne but his wife Daisy with him, and then his daughter, and just completely went away from the message. Even though he preached, even though he preached Brother Branham's funeral. And God had him to say that Jesus Christ walked among us yeah. at his funeral. Because he knew it was more than a man that walked in that five foot six body from the hills of Kentucky. He knew it was more than a man. 
So that's why he just had to say Jesus Christ walked among us. But Brother Randall explicitly told him, he said, Theo Osborne, he said, this is the, nothing you can do to, to gain this. You can't fast enough. You can't pray enough. You can't be anointed with oil enough. You have to be called to it. Amen. And if you're not called to it, you'll be a stuffed shirt. That's one main reason that I waited 12 years to go into the ministry because I was scared of being a stuffed shirt. That I knew that if I went into the ministry and it was my doings, my makings, my forcings, me opening the doors, there would be a complete failure, and I don't like to fail. But if God called you to it, God will open the door. Amen. And if God opens the door, don't you worry about nothing else afterwards. Yes, sir. See, 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 after we sold our house in Madison, God did not immediately open the door for us to build, which I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to move us from one right to the other. No, we had to rent. I didn't want to rent. I didn't want to waste my money like that. But you know what? That, it was God's will for us to wait. But if I had pushed on, I could have probably made something happen, and then later down the road, I'm going to pay for it. So you have to understand that certain, certain times and certain seasons, God calls us to certain places. And certain times and certain seasons, God calls us to different places. See, in all my ministry of 23 years, I've never had as many invitations overseas as I do right now. And it's not because they want me the man. It's not them, you know, knocking down my door because they like the way I look or the way I sing or the way I preach. They like what I preach. And they want to hear the truth. See, for 23 years, God did not want me to go overseas. So I didn't. I didn't feel the urge. And I told you people, unless God opens the door, I ain't going nowhere. And even though I got invitations, standing open invitations right now, doesn't mean I'm going anytime soon. I go when God opens the door. But see, once when, once when God opens the door, after that, you don't have nothing to worry about because he'll take care of you all the way through. So when God opened the door for us to build the, build the house, then all of a sudden you, you, you get, get to the final stages of the house and money starts running thin. Mm -hmm. You ain't never done it, then step in my shoes for just a minute. Then your wife, she starts, you know, biting her fingernails. She ain't never bit her fingernails. She starts getting a little bit, you know, antsy. And I said, look, I set her, I set her down. I said, baby, let, let me tell you something. Do you believe that God opened the door for us to start building this house? She said, absolutely, I do. I said, you know what? He'll move us in. If I open the door, we're going to have trouble getting in. But if he opened the door, he'll make a way for the money to come in. I'm not worried about it. I have not stressed over it. I have not lost sleep over it because he's the one to open the door. And he'll make a way. Yes. So when God called me to preach, I knew at 15 years of age that God called me to do something. I didn't know if it was evangelism, where it was pastor. I certainly didn't think it was to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. That was the furthest thing from my mind. Because mm -hmm. I was sitting under a good pastor at the time. I, I, I had no reason to think I was ever going to be a pastor. But then, then see, things begin to happen in my life that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Because see, God was calling me to a higher position that I wasn't aware of at the time. Mm -hmm. One by one, my sister started dying. I didn't understand why. But see, I look back now and I understand why. We'll understand it better by and by. God begins to enlighten us maybe years or days or weeks later, whatever the time frame may be, that God begins to enlighten us why he did what he did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we see now why, where we're at and why we're at where we're at. Because of what we had to go through back 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Had those things not happened the way they did, I wouldn't be pastor of this church. God had to orchestrate things that was suffering to my family. That was hard trials to my family. That was hard on the church. 
That was holding everybody involved. But see, God had to orchestrate things to put me in this pulpit. See, you even think the, the reason you are here tonight and the way you look, the way that your, your nature is, your character and all those types of things, God, God had those things ordained from the foundation of the world. And see, your forefathers, God had one to die and then one to remarry and one to marry this one to marry this one. God ordained all those things back in your, your ancestry to bring you to the place where you are tonight. I have no doubt of that. And then people don't like the way they look. God made you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't be upset at how you look. What is your standard anyway? You know, I'm to the belief right now, fat's where it's at. <laughs> Too many people starving themselves to death trying to be bone thin. Remember, I'm talking about his wife trying to do that. He said, you stick her with a needle, go all the way to the bone. <laughs> trying to be so thin. Rain shower, hide under a clothesline. Run around the shower, just get wet. Oh, if you're fat enough, you just got to stand there. People, people tried every diet known to man, spent thousands of dollars trying to be the perfect body. What is the perfect body? Hollywood has presented to us things that do not exist in our culture. They exist because people take drugs and they take shots and they take hormones and they take things that are not readily accessible to you and I. Have you seen what they're doing you know, with the Botox stuff? God have mercy. Who wants lips like that? I was watching the news last night, of all things. The news, and Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, she comes on with Sean Hannity last night, and I'm trying to figure, figure out what's going on with, you know, cocaine in the White House and everything that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that a terrible thing? Yeah. We got cocaine in the most secure, yeah. the most secure place on the planet. Mm -hmm. They find a packet of cocaine. Mm -hmm. And they don't question the cocaine addict. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm getting into politics. Anyway, uh, Donald Trump, uh, his son Eric's wife, Laura, she's in some kind of politics. She comes on, and her lips, my Lord, have mercy. You, you're not born that way. <laughs> now, now, if you want to believe in evolution, look at someone like that. Yeah. They'll make you believe in evolution. <laughs> why, why, why are they projecting things like that? Brother Bram talked about uh, Jack, Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy mm -hmm. setting a standard for America. Yeah. With her waterhead haircuts. Hello, somebody. And they're still doing it today. Whatever God called you to be, be happy. Be content. Don't try to be like nobody else. Don't try to be like somebody else. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. That's expensive. You can't afford to be like the Joneses. You ain't called to be the Joneses. Praise the Lord. Now notice now, I want to I I I nail this down. If, I don't, if you don't hear me say anything else tonight, I'm going to nail this down. All right? If I'm going to preach something here as doctrine, then I emphatically have to have Scripture to back up what I'm preaching. How many believe that? I cannot come to you and just preach my thought, my theory, my idea. I cannot take what I think, what I imagine... To a sinner or to a nominal person that don't, don't know anything about the message. That's, right. That's what I asked that brother that was preaching return ministry. I said, what would you tell a nominal preacher or pastor that was sitting in front of you about return ministry? What scripture would you take him to? Mm -hmm. 
Because I don't know where the rest of you are at, but this is what I preach here because every church is sovereign, so I preach what God lays on my heart. This church is absolute is the Bible. Period. Said and done. It's the Bible. So I asked him, I said, what scripture are you going to take them to to base your doctrine, because that's what it was, a doctrine to him. What scripture are you going to take a nominal preacher to 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 base your doctrine of return ministry? He looked at me just as serious as a heart attack, and he he says, says these words, I do not need a scripture. And I said, wait a minute. Uh, tell me how many messages Brother Branham preached without scriptural foundation backing it up. If Brother Branham were to come to the pulpit in 1958 and preach service seed without scripture to back it up, we'd have called him a lunatic. Had he not had scripture to back it up. But he has scripture. We have scripture. People still today, even with scripture, call us nuts. So anything that I preach, as far as doctrine is concerned, I must. Now, I'm going to prove it to you by the book of Romans here. What Paul said. He says, called to be apostles, separated unto the gospel of God. Verse 2, which he had promised afore or before by his prophets in the holy. Okay, so Jesus is coming. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Okay, separated into the gospel of God. Verse 1, the gospel is Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. If you're not preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, you're not preaching the gospel. Okay, so he said, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So Paul is now laying this foundation to the church at Rome that what God has done in this generation, it was already in the Bible. He ain't doing a new thing. He ain't doing something different because it was already prophesied by the prophets and in the scriptures. Are we together? So Paul is basing his doctrine to the church at Rome by what was already written in the scriptures because they had the scriptures. They had the Old Testament law. And so now he's saying that it was already told, uh, uh, told before us, beforehand, before this ever happened, that it was going to happen. It's right there in the, in the scriptures, he said. So, so what I'm saying to you, I cannot preach anything to you it's like the man told Brother Ram, said, what if I told you to go out there and put your hand on that tree and you'd be healed? He said, I got no faith in that because there's no scripture to say, lay my hands on a tree. He said, but I do have faith in lay hands on the sick because there's scripture for that. I can't, I can't just make up some kind of a, you know, uh, incantation or some kind of a, something off the wall, say, if you do this, then you're going to receive this. No, I, I must have scripture to back it up. And so the coming of Jesus Christ was not without Scripture to back it up. Hello? So that's why I believe in the message that I believe in because there's Scripture to back up the coming of Elijah. Jesus himself prophesied of the coming of Elijah. Because he tells us, he says, uh, there shall be a restoration of all things, but that's in the future. At the coming of Elias or Elijah, he shall restore all things. Not his coming because Jesus didn't come to restore, he came to redeem. So he prophesied of the coming of Elijah. So this generation is without excuse. Because even Jesus himself prophesied of the coming of Elijah. He said, it's promised before by the prophets and it's in the Holy Scriptures. So me, without a scripture, I didn't hear anybody else but me. It was promised before by his prophets and the Holy Scriptures 
Concerning his son, again, there's a comma there, going into verse 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now he's letting the people at Rome know that Jesus was a man. Now I've been called a lunatic and I've been called in false doctrine for preaching that Jesus was a man. When right here in the book of Romans, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Now what you notice now, when Paul identifies Jesus, he gives him three entitlements. Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus was the man. According to the seed of David, a human, flesh man, created in the womb of a woman, born of the Virgin Mary, an immaculate birth, a virgin birth, still yet flesh. Because as she ate and she fed her body, his body was fed. Right? By the nourishment of whatever she ate went straight to Jesus' body. So he was made, his outer man was a flesh body. Just like you're out of man is a flesh body. Paul is make, making certain that the church at Rome understands this. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, that's Jesus the man, the anointed one, which has to be our Lord. Not just Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ our Lord. That means he's our master. Yes. That means we are in slavery unto him. Amen. Paul a prisoner. Paul, a slave. But see, this is not an enforcement of slavery. This is, excuse me, this is voluntarily slavery. I choose to be a slave. Because you're going to be a slave one way or another. One way or another, you're going to be a slave, either to the devil or to God. Period. There's no in between. You're either doing what God wants you to do or you're doing what the devil wants you to do. You're a slave one, to, one way or another. No, I'm a free man. Okay. Believe what you want. But there's no middle of the road and there's no straddling the fence. You're on one side of the fence or you're on the other. Period. We used to say that years ago. Oh, they're straddling the fence. They got one foot in Pentecost, one foot in the message. No, it don't work that way no more. You're either in the message or you're out of the message. You're either in Christ or you're out of Christ. Come on, somebody. There ain't no straddling the fence. One foot in, one foot out. No, you're either two feet in or two feet out. And if you're two, two feet out, you're going to be six feet under. <laughs> Paul says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made, made. So that means that the body had a beginning. It was made of the seed of David. Was David a deity? No, the Holy Ghost hadn't even come yet. David didn't even have deity in his soul. <laughs> but yet, because of the promises to David and his kingship, God brought Jesus Christ through the lineage of David. Because David was a man after God's own heart. Now, David was not a perfect man. By no means. David was a man with many errors, many faults. Listen, I know the life of David. 
There's no other person in the Bible that I've read more about, studied more about, than the life of David. And I'm telling you, the man was full of faults. And, and, and we understand uh, later why Solomon had a thousand wives. We understand why Solomon had a woman problem. Because his daddy did. Who in God's name needs 500 wives? Now, you can't tell me a man that has 500 wives or how many wives and concubines, 500 women at his disposal, ain't got a problem. And then his son has a double portion of that problem. But yet, with 500, David, it wasn't enough. When he's saying Bathsheba, he's like, oh, I want her. Man, you, you, you're a lunatic. You're a sex fiend. You a nutcase. You got 500 behind you that you could call, snap your fingers, call anyone you want, but you want her. He was not a perfect man. But he was a man that could repent. Hello. There was a reason why the book of Acts tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. Because David was not the type of man to make the same mistake twice. When he was corrected, he took his correction like a man. Amen. And when Nathan come into the courtroom, do you realize back then that David was also the judge? Not only the king, he was the judge of the land. And so they would bring things. You remember the story of Solomon when the two, men, two women claimed that the same baby was, belonged to both of them, you remember? So Solomon was the judge. He said, bring me a sword, I'll cut it in half. You mean, most of you know the story. And the real mother cried out and said, no, no, give, give the baby to that woman. And Solomon said, no, that's the real mother. She don't want her to die. So the king was not only a king, he was the judge. You imagine Nathan walking in in the presence of all these people in the courtroom. He stands before David as the prophet of God. Gives him a parable. And here is self-righteous David. Serving the just reward for this evil man. That had taken this pet lamb and fed it to his guests. He shall restore fourfold and give his life. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's quick to judge somebody else, isn't it? It's quick to point that finger and see that toothpick in somebody else's eye when we got a telephone pole in ours. Well, y'all quiet on a Wednesday night. It's a good crowd, but it's a quiet crowd. That's all right. It's easy to see other people's faults and not our own. But James declares to us to look into the mirror of the word, and when you look in the mirror, you don't see your neighbor. Hello? Amen. You see yourself. Amen. When I was getting ready for church, I wasn't concerned about how other people looked. I didn't ask any of my family to come stand in front of the mirror so I could see how they look. I was looking in the mirror to see how I looked, make sure I was presentable. I don't know if I did a fair enough job, but I did all I could with what God gave me. So that's why you look in the mirror. Because, see, you can go by feelings all you want. The feelings will never touch a mirror. You see, you might miss one of them strands that's poking straight up, look like alfalfa. You walk by a mirror, oh man, how'd I miss that? You went by feelings. See, when you look in the mirror of the Word, you see your own mistakes. And there ain't a person here tonight or on streaming that don't have mistakes, that don't still need the blood. So take your halos off. 
Those streaming as well, take your halos. Those in French, you take your halos, halos off too. <laughs> Fold your wings so I can't see them. And join with us hypocrites. Oh, come on. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to sit there and tell me that you don't put on the dog when you come to church. Oh, see, y'all hate it when I get real. Oh, my. You were fussing to beat the band coming down Highway 81. <laughs> Calling each other names and hollering at the kids and screaming. And you get to church, God bless you, God bless you. How you doing? It's so good to see you. God bless you. We'll finish this when we get back in the van. God bless you, God bless you. And then, and then the pastor happens to say something about it, and somebody's going to get elbowed in church. I hope you're listening. <laughs> And we come to church and we put on that mask of Christianity. That's why, that's why we're so surprised and shocked when we find out somebody's falling in sin. Well, they didn't just fall. They've been tripping all along. You understand that you don't just fall like that. It's a, it's a process of falling. People don't get caught in adultery that, that, that just fell automatic, just like that. No, there's pre-thought, there's forethought, there's lies, there's all kinds of things that you've got to do. You've got to set up things, you've got to orchestrate things, you've got to do all kinds of things to make these things happen. Oh, praise the Lord. I hope nobody's here doing something like that. God have mercy. But see, I've known people that, that was caught in adultery and it didn't happen overnight. You, you know how most of them happens? With a phone. Texting things that you wouldn't say to their face. God, Jesus, help me, Lord. Come out of that picture and help me just a minute. Mm, that's, why, that's why parents still need to monitor their cell phones that they give their kids. And I'm still of the uh, uh, opinion, and it is my opinion because I don't have scripture for it, because there is no scripture for cell phones. That, that, that children are given cell phones way too young. They're given access to the world wide web. Unlimited data at eight years old. Are you kidding me? Have you lost your mind? Are you out of your mind? Do you realize that people study human nature and know the top searches in Google and know if they misspell one letter where it's going to take them? Well, I know that to be a fact. They study these searches and the number, number, number one uh, on down uh, searches on Google and the different uh, search engines. And then they, they set up websites if these kids misspell because, you know, kids today can't spell. They can't add. They can't read. Because they're being taught everything else in school but the three R's. Some of you don't even know what the three R's are. It's reading, writing, arithmetic. There's no A in arithmetic. It's an R. So if you misspell it, if you type it into the, in the search bar and you misspell it by one letter, they have it set up to take you to a pornography site. And once those images are in those little innocent minds, they'll never come out. And parishes hand them out to their kids. Ages when they don't even know the facts of life, but they're learning them on Google. Safari, Chrome, whatever you got. Oh, it's quiet in here. I ain't done with this. 
I ain't done with it. Oh, I, I need a scripture for that, okay? Put no evil thing before you. Amen. Especially your kids. You're responsible for them until they get the Holy Ghost. Amen. You are their Holy Ghost until they get it for themselves. Come on, church. They don't know right from wrong. They're innocent. And then you put something in their hands to make them vulnerable. The things that will never listen. I'm going to tell you, friends. I still have images. I'm 52 and a half years old. Be 53 next month. I still have images in my mind from when I was a kid but before I turned 12 years old. Kids would steal Playboy magazines from their daddies. Oh, see, y'all don't like me to be real. And I still have the images in my mind because they brought them around me. See, you don't have to have the magazine. I don't even know if they even make those kind of magazines no more because it's all over the Internet. Free access. People, parents, putting it in the hands of their children. You can even count for that. And wonder why they're in the place they're in today. My twins fixing to be turned 10 years old. They're begging me for a phone. I said, you ain't having a phone. Right. Well, I, let me take this back because some of you are going to find out. I'm getting them a phone for their 10th birthday, but there's no SIM card in it. So it's essentially an iPod on steroids. Okay, so some of you are going to find out, Brother Danny, you're preaching against phone, you got his kid. I did. I'm getting a phone for their 10th birthday. No SIM card. So they can't make phone calls. They don't have unlimited data because there's no SIM card in it. It's just an iPod. So don't come at me and say, and I don't live what I, what I preach. Woo. See, I'm, I'm burning this bridge before any of us come to it. Because I know how kids do. As soon as they get them for the birthday, they're going to come show every kid on the parking lot they got a phone. And then them kids are going to go to their parents and say, hey, Brother Daniels, uh, uh, Evan Archer's got a phone. I, I thought he preached against kids having phones. I did, still do. But ask them if they can make a phone call in the, in the parking lot. Ask them to send, them, send a text. Ask them to get on the Internet in the, in the parking lot. Can't happen. Woo. We're burning that bridge for you. Any of us come to it. Let's move on, shall we? I got some quiet people in here tonight. Church of Christ all over again. We've been reborn, Church of Christ. Let me take all the music off the platform, I guess. We're going to be Church of Christ. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. I still believe in holiness. I still believe in righteousness. I still believe in holy living. I still believe in keeping our houses clean. Keeping our lives clean. Keeping our children clean. It's still in the word of God. I don't care who's preaching what and who's not preaching what. It's still the right way. Praise the Lord. I got a few minutes left, so I, I hope, hopefully I'll get to it. He talks about the, uh, the humanity and the divinity or the deity of Jesus Christ. Notice down verse 4, he says, he says, Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of what? What? Holiness. According to the spirit of holiness. This was in Jesus Christ, the spirit of holiness. Now we claim to have the spirit of Jesus Christ. Came back in Acts 2. So the Bible declares, be ye holy, 
as I'm holy. Be ye perfect as I'm perfect. Hello, church. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. It's my foundation. Declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness. What? How? How was he declared to be the Son of God? By raising the dead? By walking on water? Casting out devils? No. By the resurrection from the dead. Why do you think it was necessary for Jesus to show himself alive to Paul or Saul at the time on the road to Damascus? Because at the time, Saul of Tarsus was preaching that was heresy. Because no man had ever raised from the dead. So Jesus found it necessary to prove to Saul, I'm alive. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. This proved what he said that he was the Son of God. The resurrection of the dead, from the dead. This declared him to be the Son of God. Because only God has the power to raise the dead to life. Men can do all kinds of feats and signs and miracles and all kinds of different things. But men cannot raise themselves from the dead. Only God can do that. So this was the declaration, verse 4, and declare, this was the declaration, to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This is what the resurrection proved. He was who he said he was. Hello? How are we going to prove that we are who we say we are? By not being who we once was. You were once dead in sin and trespasses. But now hath he quickened, made alive. That means there's a new creation inside of you. Not legalism. Not cans and canes and do's and don'ts. Not a list of rules. But a new person. A new nature. Christ being formed inside of you. That's the new birth. That is the resurrection. Brother Ram says it like this. Oh, what a resurrection that was, but what a resurrection this is. If you are saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, you have experienced a resurrection. You were dead in sin and trespasses. You know what death is. You know what death produces. You can tell people the people that leave church and go back out in the world. You have a testimony. All of you do. Because we was all born in sin. We was all born in death. And we know what death produces. We know the road that it leads down. And we can tell other people, hey, you don't want to be on that road. I have scars. I have testimonies that I can tell you what it does. And nobody's exempt. We're all called to this. Listen. Listen. As far as I know, me and Brother Isaac's the only preachers here tonight. But every every one of you are called to preach. Brother Ram said, what Jeffersonville, Indiana needs is thousands of lived voices. And if necessary, then use words. You see, you live the life in front of them. Not just when everything's going good, but see, they're not watching you when everything's going good. That's not when all eyes are upon you. But when all hell has broke loose against you, 
That's when all eyes are upon you and they're watching how you react. If you're going to go back to the weak and beggarly elements of the world, if you're going to go back to the hog wallow, if you really have what you said you had, it's going to prove itself in the hard times, in the bad times, when you're broke, when you're sick, when the family's down, discouraged, despondent. Come on, somebody. When anxiety and depression and oppression, all these things come crashing in like a flood. Then all eyes are upon you. Those you claimed, those you, you give your testimony to, now they're watching you through a microscope. Watching how you're going to react to the calamities of life. Watching how you react to the situation you're in. Now when everything's going good, not when all the bills are paid and everybody's healthy, they ain't watching you then. That ain't when the devil comes to you when you're, you're at your strongest point. He don't come to you then. When did he come to Job? Listen, on the ash heap, scraping his boils. Everything's against us. That's when the enemy starts. Brother, when did he come to Brother Branham? When his wife had just died, hours before, and his baby's dying. He's sitting on the side of the bed. And her eyes crossed. And, and listen, Brother Paul's testimony is this. And I claim it to be the truth. He said... From that time on, not one cross-eyed person come across the prayer line but what they left with their eyes straight. Because he has such compassion over cross-eyed people, especially children. Because of what happened to his little Sharon Rose. He said she was in such pain that her eyes crossed and the flies was in the net there underneath where she had spinal meningitis, dying from it. And he said, Satan came to me then. And said, you preached about him, you stood on the street corner. You preached to you didn't have no voice. You went here, you went there, you went everywhere, everywhere preaching about him. And look what he's doing to you. And listen to what Brother Bram said. Everything he told me was the truth. So maybe you need to get your head out of the social media and listen to a few tapes. He said everything he told me was the truth. He just stated facts. And Brother Bram said these words in Life Story. I was just about ready to give in. I've been there. But I like the song Brother Paulo Fontaine wrote. Something keeps holding me. Jesus is holding me. I was just about ready to give in. But something keeps holding me. I was just about ready to quit church. But something keeps holding me. You didn't hold on. Brother Ram didn't hold on. Days later he was at the cemetery. But the bills you keep your religion? No! I didn't keep it. It kept me. The reason you're here tonight because something was keeping you. Where would you be had it not kept you? When you didn't know it was there, it kept you. He kept you. He had his hand on you. You're engraved in the palms of his hands. I'm supposed to be teaching. Here I am preaching. I guess that's all right. Somebody needed to hear that. Hope nobody's offended that I'm sitting down. Listen now. Verse 5. What time I got? Hmm, seven minutes. That will never happen. But we can hope, can't we? Verse 5. By whom we have received grace and apostleship. 
for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. He said, we have received grace and apostleship. Brother Daniel, I'm not an apostle. I just got through telling you what you are. We are all one sent. We all have a testimony. Brother Bram said, if you ain't got nothing else to tell, tell them how the fire got lit. We all got a testimony of how God saved us. Brought us out of the gutters of the world. On a slippery slope into hell. And God came just in time and saved me. Come on somebody, we all got a testimony. We have all been called by grace to apostleship. To tell our story. See, you can touch people that I I won't ever touch. You can minister to people I won't ever minister to. You live in your world, I live in mine. When we leave this church. You work with people I'll never meet. You you have family I may never meet. And it's your job to be an apostle, one sent. As a lived voice. To be salt and light. We know Jesus was the light of the world, but he tells us, let your light so shine. Because we're living not in just darkness, my friend. We're living in gross darkness. And I don't care how how little your light is. When it's gross darkness, a little light shines a long ways. Let it shine. Let it shine. Listen to what he says. We have received grace and apostleship. How? For what? Obedience. Oh, that's a word that nobody likes to hear. That's the word that was, when I started passing, that's the one word that was taken out of the vow book. You know, the, the politically correct pastoral book that I had to buy from the Christian bookstore to learn how to become a pastor, to learn the etiquette uh, 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 to do at funerals and the etiquette to do at weddings. Yeah, I didn't know all these things you had to do at a funeral. I didn't know as a pastor you're always supposed to stand at the head of the casket. I never knew that until I became a pastor and read this book. I went to seminary. <laughs> Some of you are scratching your head without moving. What are you talking about? I had to buy a book. Because I started having people die and I started having people wanting to get married. I was like, hmm, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what's etiquette. I don't know what, how, you know, what the proper thing to do is. So... I got this book and I start reading it. It tells you etiquette for pastor and funerals. So I start reading it. I was like, wow, I didn't know all this. So every funeral that I'm at, you know, especially if it's a closed casket, I've been to several that was closed caskets. So I have to ask, you know, make sure you ask your funeral director, one of the directors, uh, which ends the head. Because that's where you're supposed to stand. So when it comes time to do my first wedding, still remember it to this day. It didn't last long, but I couldn't help that part. I did my part. <laughs> it's just like everybody I baptized don't last either. Right. Ain't my fault. Right. I did my part. Right. I baptized them correctly according to Acts 2.38. The rest is up to them. Anyway, so I started reading the vows, and I went back to the message. And two times, two different times, there's two wedding ceremonies that Brother Brown conducts on tape. It's called wedding ceremony. Two times. So I, I, I read the vows that Brother Brown read to these couples. And every time he puts in the word obey. And so I, I cross-referenced that manual that I had somewhere in there. I haven't done uh, 
haven't had to use it for a while, but uh, it's coming up pretty quick. But anyway, um, I'll have to get it back out, make sure I'm doing things right. Uh, a little bit out of touch. but um, So I, I went looked at the vowels. I was like, man, something's missing in here. What's missing? So I went back and read it again. I said, ah, oh, they just got the word obey for the woman. So I just, you know, penciled it in. That's my version. That's my addition. And if you see my, if you see under the wedding, you'll see all kinds of things that I've added in there and scratched out. They didn't know what they were talking about. When they wrote that, they didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Obey. Obey? Brother Brown talks about that. Obey? Obey? Are you serious? I have to obey him? Well, you want to be the right kind of wife, you do. Mm. Come, sweet Jesus. Take me from this place. Mm-hmm. Mm. For obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Verse 6. I don't got time to go into word by word. I'll never get. There's 16 chapters in this book in case you didn't know. I'm on verse 6 of chapter 1. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? I put you in some elite category, my friend. Not just called. The called. Read Romans 8, 28 again. The called. And understand this. All of us are called to something. Everybody's called to something. I don't care if it's a housewife or a... Uh, just to be a, a husband at home and, and uh, take care of your family. You're called to something. Yeah. God has you on this earth for a purpose. Amen. Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? Who called you? Jesus Christ. Okay? Verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, Now he's going to clarify something. (coughs) Called to be. Now we know what our calling is. Called to be saints. You know, the Catholic Church takes things and twists them and contorts them and perverts them. And the thing about the Catholic Church is when people die, certain people die, in life they'll call them witches and heretics and all kinds of things, but then after they bury them, they make them a saint. After they're dead. But see, it does, it does nobody any good to be called a saint after they're dead. And you know what this, this saint... Whether it's St. Christopher or St. Mary or St. Luke or St. whoever. Each each individual Catholic person has their own patron saint. In case y'all didn't know anything about Catholicism. And a lot of them wear their necklaces. And they'll have, because I used to run a a Mexican paint crew. And I I was working for a brother, running a paint crew. One particular guy, his name was Fernando. Means a snake. But he was... Righteous Catholic. 
And when we was working outside, he'd take his shirt off. And his whole chest, his, I'm talking about from his neck to his navel, was the Virgin Mary. And they would wear a cross, I mean a, a necklace with their patron saint on it. And this is the one they prayed to. They didn't pray to Jesus. See, you, you can't get to Jesus without going through a secretary. According to Catholicism, you can't go straight to Jesus. You have to go through a patron saint or go through the Virgin Mary or say all your Hail Marys and your rosary beads and whatever. And they have what they call a patron saint. And that saint is supposed to be their intercessor to Christ. Now, see, they got it backwards. They got some truth in there. Mm -hmm. See, because people can come to us on the earth, not dead. Not in the ground. And we can touch Christ for them. We are called in life to be saints. I've heard people say things uh, along these lines. Well, I'm a good person, but I'm no saint. You've heard him say that. I'm no saint. But yet Paul tells us as Christians we are called to be saints. Not after we're dead. Not to be made a saint or a patron saint, but in life to be a saint. Amen. To live a saintly life. Amen. To live a holy, in order to be a saint, what kind of life should you live? This is our calling. This is what God has called us to do, to be a saint on the earth. To live holy, to live righteous. Now you can't do it without Him in you. It's impossible. You can do all the works you want to do and you're still going to go to hell. But with him in you, Paul says, we are called to be saints. So, isn't it amazing that we're called heretics and we're called cults and we're called all kinds of crazy names until somebody needs something from God. Then, instead of calling us names, they call us and ask us to pray. And we become a saint. Because they know they can't access the throne. But for some reason they believe you can. Well, glory. Not after you're dead. They ain't going to do them no good. But while we're alive, they've seen the life that we live. They've witnessed it through the ups and the downs and the goods and the bads and the uglies. And they've seen you You hold your testimony firm and true and stand tall and still go to church and still read your Bible and pray. Amen. And still live the life through all the ups and the downs and the hills and the valleys. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so they know when they get in trouble, they know who to call. Right. Young people will run, leave home. They will call their parents all kind of names until they get in trouble. Then mom and dad's their best friend again. Because they know who can touch God. When they're in trouble, they know who to call. I've had people leave this church. And I was everything but a white boy. Until. And all of a sudden, my phone rings. I've had people, listen, church, I've had people call me in the dead middle of the night because their conscience was killing them. Why call me? I'm supposed to be the devil. According to them. 
According to some people, I'm the Antichrist. But it's amazing when they get in trouble and need something. And they can't get it. And they, know, they know it can only come from God. All of a sudden we transform again from a devil back to a saint. Uh, 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 um, 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 if you do um, have time, could you maybe whisper a prayer for me? <gasps> me? You actually think that God hears my prayers? They know. They have witnessed your testimony. They have witnessed your life over the years to stand true and firm on the Word of God. Faith without wavering. They have witnessed it. And so they know who to call. That's why Paul says, verse 7, to all that be of Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Obviously, this was not just to those in Rome. This is to us. Oh, brother, I'm not called to be nothing. Not according to Paul. You're called to be a saint. Live holy. Live righteous. Oh, Brother Dan, I've got a besetting sin. You place that on the altar. You put that before God. You say, God, take this from me. I don't want it. But as long as you pet it and hide it, don't want delivered from it, God, even God can't take it from you unless you want it gone. When you want it gone, He'll take it from you. Let's stand. i got to quit. Thank you for your patience. Whoever turned up the air, God bless your heart. Some of you people are freezing to death, but I stopped sweating. I know I don't want to go to hell. Oh, my. Record temperatures across the U.S. It's 117 in Nevada yesterday. Call it Sin City. They don't know hot. Record temperatures, and they're saying it's because of global warming. <laughs> they only started taking a temperature census about 100 years ago, so they don't know if it's ever been a record-breaking year or not. I'll tell you one thing. It's giving, giving people a taste of what heat is. And I promise you, they don't want, you don't want to be here when the real heat hits. Days like this, or yesterday, not, not to... Not particularly today, it was cloudy, but yesterday, I thank God for AC. Thank God for whoever, whoever invented it. Thank God for a church with AC. Give me G. Well, thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for your attention. You're streaming. God bless your hearts tonight. I do want to give God some glory before we sing this song. Ava fell off a, a, like a, back in my day, they called it a jungle gym. I don't know what they call it today. A swinging bar set, whatever. Uh, she fell off today and hit her head blacked out, vomited, and that's a sign of a concussion. And so my wife took her to the ER, and everything came back negative. All is well. Thank God, thank God, thank God. What a fellowship, what a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms.
that tonight. Amen. I love the in-depth study like that. It don't matter if it takes a while. That's good. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord this evening. So thankful to hear that positive report for Ava. God's always on time. Amen. Let's be in prayer for the service this Sunday, 11 and 430. Be in prayer for each other. We certainly need each other each and every day. Amen. We'll try a key of G. We are heirs. Oh, we are heirs of the Father. We are joint heirs with the Son. We are people of His kingdom. We are family. We are one. We are one. And we are to his name and we'll be dismissed this evening oh down at the cross where my savior died down before clear